But look at you. A chip off the old block. Q? Is that right? Simple name for a complicated being. My father told me all about you. I thought you were dead. Oh. And here I was hoping the next generation wouldn't think so linearly. Notch Karnick, and with me playing poker as the credits roll is Emily Bowen Marler. Welcome to Strange New Takes. Today we'll be sharing a recap of The Card Season 3, Episode 10, the final episode of the series, The Last Generation. Follow us on social media at Strange New Takes. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and the twisted remains of whatever Twitter is these days. Tell your friends about the podcast. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Helps us appear a little bit higher on the options when someone searches for a podcast to listen to. And hey, you know, just want to remind you that we have no problem spoiling everything, but we don't like when to do that because we want to spoil your fun or spoil your enjoyment of watching these shows. So just go watch them before you listen to us um, and know that we're going to spoil all aspects of Star Trek, especially on these shows that have so many callbacks to different iterations of Star Trek. Yeah. Well, and um, as you mentioned earlier... The episode we're discussing right now is The Last Generation. It was the 10th episode of Season 3 of Star Trek Picard. It first aired on 28th, 20th of April, 2023. It was written by Terry Mattels. It was directed by Terry Mattels. Man, what a, like, a attention hog, right? Taking the last episode. <laughs> Who does he think he is? Uh, Terry, this Terry Mattels guy, man. Uh, and the in-universe date is April 2401. And it also has a snippet of it that occurs in 2402. After everyone dies. Right. I mean, yeah. uh, oh, uh, no. <laughs> Here's the episode summary. It would be funny, actually, if they just get a, like, faded out after the poker game or uh, after the, the whatever happens in 2401, and then yeah. it's just a slow pan over all of the graves of all of the people. <laughs> so, anyway, Great. that is not, thankfully, not what we got. All right, here's the episode summary from Memory Alpha. In a desperate last stand, Jean-Luc Picard and generations of crews, both old and new, fight together to save the galaxy from the greatest threat they've ever faced as the saga comes to a thrilling, epic conclusion. <laughs> All right. Well, we always start with our strange new takes. Um, Emily, would you like to go first with strange new takes? Or do you want me to go first? Well, I can go first. I just, I want to, um, you know, make a comment about priorities some of us have priorities in our lives where we recognize the importance of the final episode of star trek picard the <laughs> final episode featuring the next generation cast and miss out on things happening with their in-laws and then others have priorities where they place their family members ahead of the final episode of picard you listener can choose which one is is the better value to have <laughs> shots fired oh my god uh we'll see if any of the others respond when they come back next episode <laughs> probably the, the it's just shining a big light on my lack of values here <laughs> <laughs> or, or my lack, lack of in-laws so, yeah, no. uh, i just i mean clearly my my priorities are skewed but you know 
I just really wanted to be able to talk about this episode, which is my strange new take for the episode. Yeah, I, I loved it. You know, I thought it was a great episode. It was a great, it was a great way to end the stories of this crew and a much better ending than Nemesis gave us. Um, so yeah, anyway, I just, I, I just thought it, I thought it was, it was basically, you know, I, I do have to say there were things about it that I totally saw coming and, you know, I wasn't super surprised by how it went, but that didn't mean I wasn't touched by how it went. So anyway, I'm surprised none of them died. Like, I I kind of was too, but I'm okay with it. So <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Let's be honest. Like the game was exactly what we wanted from that side. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So uh, I'll say this about priorities. Um, I prioritized on my Saturday to do things instead of sleeping, and <laughs> I am very loopy because of the result. Uh, it's got to the point now where I, if I do like six hours of sleep three nights in a row. Uh, things don't go well after that. Like I, I just you know my ability, especially if I'm if I'm at work, at least I can load up on caffeine. Yeah. And like keep going, but like right now I'm just it is hard to focus sometimes, which is great because I'm going to be hosting this podcast, so I'm sure you're <laughs> and the listener, you and the listeners are in for a real ride. It's uh, called getting older, not. <laughs> It's true. I am slowly getting there. Um, you could say I'm getting there one minute at a time. Hey, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Alternative, you know. So. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, with the episode, I'm trying to think how many episodes of Star Trek have a blockbuster post-credit sequence a la Marvel. Like, not many, right? Yeah. Uh, Star Trek. Uh, no, it wasn't there. I feel like there were some on the short tracks, maybe. There was a post-credit scene in one of the Tribble in the yeah in the, the Trouble, trouble with Edward. Edward yeah but and I feel like actually wasn't there a was there a post end credit scene in a lower decks episode because there I there was one yeah there was one that I totally didn't see and I found out about it on our podcast and I was like oh mm. I need to go back and watch that ending you know so the yeah. app makes it so you don't always see those things. Because it, you know, it like shifts it to the small box. You're like, oh, well, they're done, you know. Anyway, yeah, exactly. So. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's it's definitely not like a routine thing. And 90 Strike mm -hmm. didn't have this at all. Mm -mm. Uh, so it's it's a new thing. But anyway, we'll get to what our post credit sequence was when we get to that point in the episode. As we discuss it in depth starting now. <laughs> so uh, we opened this week with the Riker like foot up on the uh, on the console there was some joking last week about like hey now that we have the bridge back we gotta have Riker like lifting his leg up onto the console right and yeah. he freaking did it you know what's hilarious I have seen the beginning of this episode three times and I did not notice that <laughs> How did I not notice it? I noticed yeah. everything else about this episode. So, so, okay. It actually opens with a monologue by the Federation president. That's why. It's Anton I was, Chekhov. That's why I wasn't paying attention. Yep, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, who is voiced clearly by Walter Koenig. Yes. Uh, who played Pavel Chekhov. Yes. This was Anton Chekhov, which is kind of a touching tribute to it Anton was. Yelchin, who played Pavel Chekhov in Star Trek 2009. Uh, we've already had the USS Yelchin show up, mm -hmm. but now this was just one more thing. Um, hey, he's to... a good person to pay tribute to, especially considering the tragic ending of his life. That was 
Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. No, I mean it, it's it's it was definitely a good thing to yeah. to do. It's kind of like a nice little move. Also, a nice way to bring uh, a surviving TOS yes. uh, actor into the show as well. Yeah. Um, and so it, it was kind of nice. <laughs> I and was uh, showing that scene. Yeah, and then after that, that's when they they figure out there's a Borg cube in Jupiter, and that's where Riker goes up to the console and puts his leg up. As he does. It's not quite as, like, epic a leg raise right, as he right. normally has, but it's there. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Yeah, I was doing this whole, like, wait, what was his name? His name was, was it Anton? Like, I was, like, it was so throwing me off because I was, like, that wasn't his first name, was it? Wait, maybe it was because it's Anton Yelchin, you know? <laughs> so I just, anyway, but I thought that was nice. I knew it was Walter Koenig. I could, I mean, I could just tell. Um, and then he did that nice little, just in case y'all didn't realize that I'm the guy that played Chekhov, I'm going to throw in my accent for one line. <laughs> so and, and reference, like, as my father would have said. Yes, and yes, it's, yes. it's all this, like, yeah, until then, I actually was like, how can Chekhov still be alive? Like, I he's know. still like, 200 years old. Like, uh, oh, it was nice. Well, and then they had the scene, was it, I, I feel like, I can't remember if it was during that scene. Or right before, right after, when they show that opening nebula that they have in the in the opening credits mm -hmm, of the next mm -hmm. generation, that was kind of nice too. And it almost had me. I'm like, oh my gosh, are they going to do the whole? Are they going to have this speech over the whole, you know, scene of things? But they didn't do that. I, you know what? I thought it was a huge bummer that they didn't play the TNG opening sequence. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll be honest, they should have just done it. They should have yeah. just given us space the final frontier, the whole shebang right. like just lean in like completely at that point right uh -huh. like you know what i'm saying yeah. but yeah zero out of ten okay uh yeah no worst no, no, no. unwatchable <laughs> yeah completely that was the moment i turned off the tv you'll ever describe what happened next time like, i have no well, idea i can do that given the amount of notes that i took on this episode <laughs> <laughs> all right so the the fleet let's just dispense with the fact that the fleet is destroying the the starbase yes over earth as the titan is literally running rings around the fleet using their mm -hmm. cloaking device mm -hmm. and trying to trying to stop them um, they had a nice little um sequence when they when they were able to transport use their phasers they had the different kind of phasers to transport people rather than I love that line so did we kill them or did we <laughs> transport them you know, it's like oh no no we we successfully transported them it worked <laughs> yeah yeah it, it is kind of a helpful little weapon to have like yeah. you know um where you don't I mean it's like less than like the next iteration of less than lethal I guess in Star yeah. Trek I guess the question becomes why do they need the the gun why can't they just like transport them like maybe it's to ships. trick them because obviously they weren't thinking that they were about to be transported so mm. i don't know you know yeah no. so they don't they don't turn on some inhibitor or anything right like that. right yeah, you know yeah. yeah but um another thing i i did appreciate i really liked that um you know so you have the cook who took yeah. what a little bit of flight school and she's like well i don't care if you're the cook you're our pilot now like but she looked so badass the way she had that when she kind of mm -hmm. flung that rifle mm -hmm. over her shoulder, I was like, yeah, seven's pretty awesome right here. <laughs> See, this is this is the difference between Neelix and other who Neelix would have been like, yeah, put me in the chair. Like, I'll just do it. It'll be great. Yeah. Uh, but that's because Neelix was, Neelix was a pilot first. And oh, like, that's that was, right. You know, 
Yeah, That's so right. he was he became a cook because they needed it. They weren't able to, you know, use their replicators. So we should have had Seven of Nine do something like, well, I knew another cook once who yeah. blah blah. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't uh, much Seven and Neelix interactions and. Um, there was in that episode where think... she falls, uh, where she starts having problems because she's in sick bay and she's eating something. She's learning to eat. Mm-hmm. And Neelix has made her something and then she falls on the floor and starts like convulsing, if I recall <laughs> correctly, something like that, because she's she gets sick. I can't right. remember exactly the episode now, but it's actually one I think that we watched for this podcast. Oh, yeah, probably. Uh, actually, the one of the ones I think we watched to prepare for Picard season one when we heard that seven was going to be back. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, so there's this little ragtag band that including the chief medical officer, Oak. Uh, Raffi, Seven, mm-hmm. um, some dude, of, <laughs> yeah, some dude, the cook, they're all on the bridge, yeah, uh, yeah. and they're running the ship, and they're using the cloak to to beat the fleet's ability to, to control. Um, kind of a creative thing, like you know, mm-hmm. you need a line of sight to direct the signal. So, mm-hmm. um, and then the crew that they've transported away are locked in the transporter room and unable to to leave and it's kind of like your typical zombie sequence of totally. the zombies trying to like break through the door yeah totally i thought zombies as well i can i can i do some genuine criticism real quick yeah i still cannot stand this eliminate all unassimilated thing this whole yeah. like idea of the borg crew was mega dumb and <laughs> i i mean it didn't stop my enjoyment of this episode right. i'll say that right here but like right. it just didn't work for me and it still doesn't work yeah uh it led to some cool stuff when they break onto the bridge and there's like that emotional trauma and like Seven mm-hmm. is able to comfort Sydney, but like right. it just wasn't compelling. You know, so um it was, you know, it was definitely interesting, the whole just destroy everything, like and it just goes to show that clearly, well, we just have the Borg Queen, right? There is, she doesn't really even have a collective anymore. Mm-hmm. Clearly the Borg Queen has totally abandoned any general, you know mission statement that the board originally had and is just bent on um revenge like it's just a big revenge mission and she just wants to kill as many people as she possibly can in return for the fact that she's lost all of her collective so it's just so that's the one thing like like i i you know like the the crew being assimilated and everything wasn't like my favorite aspect of the story either but the way the fact they kept saying you know uh, uh what um, eliminate, eliminate all the unassimilated and then when they start targeting all of the um, population mm-hmm. centers on earth it's like wow yeah no this is this has nothing to do with the original intent of the borg and just it's 100 percent about her seeking revenge on on who she is holding responsible for the destruction of the collective yeah no it makes I, yeah that, i think that makes a lot of sense to me and i think it's it's a very fundamental shift in how the borg mission like you're talking about um it is so before we move away from the titan we should acknowledge that the cloak is now destroyed (laughs) the cloak so we can no longer like one of the things was that well now that there's a cloak on a starfleet vessel why can't they just keep using it in perpetuity like and that's because sydney and alandra assimilated destroyed it so now we don't have a cloak anymore yeah i thought it was i thought it was a nice little end cap that the the two who were helpful in installing it were the ones that destroyed it does the did the defiant have a cloak 
It did, but wasn't that part of a special treaty with the Romulans? So I wonder if after the war ended, the Romulans took the cloak back. Right. Yeah, that makes sense, especially since the Romulans were not very nice to Starfleet for a little right. while there. Right. Yeah. Okay. So Starfleet doesn't have a cloak anymore, and for some reason, the technology is a very like difficult thing to for Starfleet. Starfleet to recreate only the Klingons. The Romulans have it, and now that we don't have the one that was pinched off this warbird from the the bottom of the San Francisco Bay, uh, yeah. we no longer have any cloaks. Right. Um. So let, let's turn to the Enterprise D now, which we got to see glor in glorious 3D uh, and beautiful renders of the ship. Like, it's mm -hmm. very detailed. It was mm -hmm. just gorgeous. Yes, it was. It was amazing. <laughs> like, I have never been a huge Enterprise D fan, to be honest with you. Like, it's mm -hmm. just, it's not a, I mean, it, it's fine. Like, it's not a bad shape or anything, but it's just never my, like, favorite ship or whatever. But, yeah. like, this episode really did it. Like, it really used the widescreen to give us some beautiful shots of the hull. Like, yes. you, you could even, like, as as they showed the flyby, you could like, even look into the observation deck and some stuff like that. Like, it was, it was it's not, like, they didn't half-ass the render. Right. Well, and it was also, I super appreciated one of the things that, you know, original Trek and 90s Trek, they always had the ratio off on planet size to ship size. You know, like, it always, the mm -hmm. ship was always huge next to the planet when it could never have been that size, you know, I mean, and it could be, they were orbiting from a very far distance, but, um, that shot. And at first when they're approaching Jupiter, you're like, I was like, Hmm, how are they going to do this? The shot where they're pulling away and you can see the way the board cube is in the gases of Jupiter and how tiny the enterprise gets. I thought that was a super awesome move. You know, like it just, that was kind of a nice perspective to show. What was the cube in the great spot? Am I remembering this right, that the cube was in the great spot of Jupiter? You know, I don't, I am not sure that it was. Because I, I feel like we could see the spot. Maybe not, though. Or in the big, in the red, you mean? Yeah, it wasn't, um, yeah, I'm trying to see, like, like, scrolling through the. I mean, it definitely was in, I mean, like, the gases that it was in definitely were that red, orange kind of. Yeah, yeah, color, yeah. But I can't remember if it was actually in that. It, it seems to me, because isn't that a storm? Like, it seems to me that probably yeah. wouldn't be a very... That, that um, storm, and, and I think it's something like several Earths in, like, size. Yeah. Okay, yeah. it is. It was actually... It's it's actually in the freaking spot. Is it? That's is awesome. It, a tiny little... But <laughs> the scale for the Borg Cube to the... Um, Enterprise? Not the Enterprise. Oh, the uh, the spot is actually... It's not, like, horrible because it... Because that's the thing, like, if they showed the Borg cube as, like, a oh, giant yeah. part okay, of the spot, I see, I see. Yeah. it would it would just not work. But it's it's like a tiny little speck in the spot, so... Yeah. In general, though, what I'm trying to get to is that we have the scale of Jupiter to, like, the cube to Enterprise D, and it all right. made sense. The Enterprise yeah. D was small compared to Jupiter, but it's also smaller than the cube, so it could fly yes. through the cube. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was... I, I just thought that was a really cool... It was a cool establishing shot to kind of yeah. give us that perspective of, of the sizes that we're dealing with, because so often in Star Trek size means nothing like, and distance means nothing. You know, I mean, And part of that yeah. is just because of storytelling. Like we can't spend years warping places, you know, I just want to point out there are places I could go with this whole size means nothing. And the hey, D you know stuff what? from last week, <laughs> and I'm not going to do it. Okay. Okay. I'm just, I'm not going to. I'm just acknowledging that uh -huh, I have, I uh -huh. have grown uh, uh, as an individual. In the last week. <laughs> yes, I have. I have. Okay. 
Moving on. Moving on. Uh, we want to talk about renders. How, what do you think of the new Borg cube kind of renders, you know, with all the like stuff sticking out of it, like those pointy bits? Yeah. And... Well, so do you think that was for transmission's sake? Like, is that because, you know, they like those were added because they needed it to be broadcasting that signal? Or I don't know. I thought that was interesting. I just thought it was an artistic kind of thing. It was like yeah, basically be... showing the Borg is a little bit like... Pointy things tells you evil, right? Like that that's, it signifies just kind of that otherworldly kind of, uh, and, and I'll be honest, I think it's also something that's reminiscent of a lot of sci-fi design. So like Mass Effect mm -hmm. has like some design that incorporate points and needles and lights and mm -hmm. thing much in the same way that they had in this episode. So for me, it's, mm -hmm. it's more like the person who designed the cube incorporated some elements of what we see in other sci-fi these days into the Borg cube design. Um, it also makes it like, because of that it makes it look sinister, right? So that that's what I thought the, the reason was. It's just different because the previous cubes we've seen have usually been like pretty, not like smooth, but mm -hmm. they have kind of a, uh, a flatter surface, uh, kind of a more delineated, like, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. Like, it looks a little bit more like a flat cube shape than having all these pointy bits. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it was definitely, it was interesting. Well, and so this is from last week's episode, but was it, was there more than one cube in like when Jack arrives at the cube in the first place? Is it the only cube there or is it more than one? I found it hard to tell if it was just that we were seeing different sections of the cube kind of peek out through that area that it was in or if there was more than one or maybe it was just a Borg ship graveyard now that we know that most of the drones yeah. were not alive i think i think it was just a single cube okay. I, I don't think i don't think i mean the i can't remember now there's a dream sequence where we saw more than one cube right, but it was yeah. definitely just one in okay. the actual uh the one when jack goes and visits so and then um let's let's get to the point the stuff that happens on the cube for, but before that we have kind of the first of many emotional farewell scenes mm -hmm. or as the as the captain steps into the turbo lift to go to the which by the way why couldn't they just transport from the bridge like why does it have to be this like let's go to the transporter room <laughs> like <laughs> at this point haven't we figured out how to do a site-to-site -site transfer like you have to have a special device on you to do the site-to-site demand. Uh, haven't you seen um, Nemesis? You know, right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And and of course, the the Chief O'Brien was down in the transporter room, like yes, unseen right. off-screen. So that's he was right, right. very helpful, and that's why they had to go down there. But this also establishes a, a big theme in this episode is Riker and Troy, kind mm -hmm. of, and their love for one another. Mm -hmm. And so this starts that as right. you know, Picard says goodbye to Beverly, Worf cracks a joke about a threesome, yeah. and then Riker and, <laughs> and Troy share a look. Yes. When I thought, you know, in that look, definitely um, she's feeling that this may be the last time. Like, like she knows, she knows what Riker is willing to give up for Picard, you know, to help Picard or to help, you know, anyway. So it's just... There's a whole lot of emotion in that. I do have to say, I found it. So Adam and I were joking that, you know, of course there would have to be a scene somewhere where Deanna says, pain, I feel pain. But they totally gave that line to Data, which I thought was hilarious. Cause she's like, 
it's like, it's nothing I've never, I've ever, it's not like anything I've ever felt before. It's like quiet suffering. And then data says so much pain. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, they totally had to have done that because of all the times Deanna had a headache and had, you know, felt pain. <laughs> Yeah, from, no. From people's emotions. <laughs> well, and I think this episode also gave us, to, to your point about data, gave us more of an understanding of how data is now different yes. like, with lore. He's got a little bit more of an attitude and he's got mm -hmm. a little bit more of like, like even with data with the emotion chip was still a little like immature in his yeah. emotional range. And now For he's sure. like a little bit more fully formed and built right. out. Well, he even says, I hate them, you know, when he's talking about the Borg and how awful they are. And it's like, you can see Jordy's like, like what's going on? I mean, on that was with... lore, right? Like that was lore. Yeah. Like that was lore yeah. side of data. Um. So, <laughs> Picard puts uh, Jordy in charge of the the bridge when mm -hmm. he leaves, which is mm -hmm. kind of cool. Um. Mm -hmm. And he'd be the then... highest ranking officer at that point, right? Yep. Because Beverly left left uh, Starfleet, so she wasn't didn't have a rank anymore. Same with Deanna, I think. Mm -hmm. And so Picard, Worf, and Riker are now on the cube, and we f find out that... I mean, that that's a great reveal when we find that the Borg are actually all dead. Right, right. And it's really scary, because you never really know. Oh, yeah. I knew there was going to be a jump scare. I knew, there, I knew they were going to have one in there. <laughs> yeah, somebody, right, had to, yeah. like... It, it's too easy for them all to be dead. But right. it's kind of a nice twist on the Borg formula of like, because mm -hmm. I mean, how many times in Star Trek now have we seen like Starfleet officers beam onto a cube? They right. walk past all these Borgs standing right. there and then one of them turns on and then all right. of them turn right. on. And they've modulated. Right. Our phasers are useless. And we didn't right. have any of that. Right. No, it was it was definitely a, a nice way to make it different. Yeah. So uh, one thing that was a little disorienting for me is that so we had one set of farewells and then Picard quickly says goodbye to Worf and Riker and they yeah. go in separate directions. Then another set of farewells. I have to say though, so the, it has been an honor serving with you. That was nice and all. It was. But actually the one that I, my first emotional response or the first little tear that came to my eye in this episode was when Picard said, um, when, when he, I don't even remember what it was that he said to Riker. He said, um, I'm trying to see if I have it in here. It's not the, oh, oh, it, when he says it means so much to me and he isn't able yeah. to finish his sentence, that made me cry. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know. I just thought that was, well, and also Patrick Stewart's voice kind of broke when he said it too. Mm -hmm. So it was just, I just, I, I felt like there were a lot of layers um, throughout the whole episode. A lot of mm -hmm. the things that they said, there were just, a, there were layers of 35 years of relationships embedded in the words that were being said. Well, so Worf's kind of, there are two words that Klingon never admits yeah. knowing speech, which was also very touching. Yes. And, um, what, defeat yeah. and goodbye? or like, Farewell, like I think it's something like that. Yeah. I can't that's, remember, that's a, but yeah. That's a more, you know, beautiful way to say goodbye. <laughs> Farewell yeah. is a more poetic <laughs> So it was, it was good. I did question the logic of them splitting up a little bit, like Picard going off and looking for Jack on his own. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like one one Borg drone is going to just like pop out of the darkness and just finish the old man. <laughs> it, it's because it's called Star Trek Picard, and so Picard had to go it alone. <laughs> so. He knew he had plot armor. He's The show's named after me. Exactly. I'm not going to die. Like, I can do he this on my He already died own. once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and so we... <laughs> Let's talk about the Worf and Riker scenes yes. first, because they're great. Um, I just freaking love that the freaking 
what what's the is it the kurlath what that yeah. wolf is using is like stupidly heavy yes that was the best when Riker's like shit <laughs> and you've had a phaser this whole time <laughs> swords are fun <laughs> yeah. and this is the pacifist we're talking about yes like, Yes. This is what Klingon pacifism looks like. Well, and you know, it was so funny at the end of the episode when he puts the sword down before he goes to speak to Rafi, it makes a really loud clank there too. And it's like, and I've never noticed it being loud before, but it's like they really were laying into it after we yeah, find yeah, out yeah. from Riker how heavy it is. And so, I mean, I, I thought, I, th- I mean, you had to have one sequence with a couple of drones, like mm-hmm. adding some tension and, and they did it well, Riker and Worf. Also, I think, I think, they showed a lot of like I, I like that unlike the undiscovered county or other TOS movies mm-hmm. where there isn't an acknowledgement that our actors are our stars are a little old. In yeah. this you got more of a sense of age, like in yes. that Picard farewell. Like he he feels like an old man, like with yeah. Worf getting shot a few times, like it, it it did feel like a, a couple of guys were like, man, we're kind of out of our depths right now. Mm-hmm. This would have been much easier 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So then, as this is happening, Beverly, uh, Jordy, Troy, and Data are still on the bridge, and they decide to, like, find the transmitter, which is deep inside the Borg cube. Uh, also, the the Borg cube starts firing at the Enterprise, mm-hmm. and they put... And Jordy's like, Beverly, we have no choice but to put you on weapons. And she's like, pew, 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 pew. <laughs> It's pretty awesome. <laughs> and just the way she delivered, a lot's happened in 20 years, you know? Yeah. It was just perfect. <laughs> it was amazing. It was great. I just, mm-hmm. I mean, the, I think this episode had those few comedic moments which were really, really nice. And that's like my yes. favorite, I think. Yeah, no, it was great. It was great. Um, especially because there was a whole lot of, um, I don't want to say angst. I don't mean angst in a, in a trite way. Um, but, but Beverly was having a lot of that for a whole, I mean, because her son obviously is being used by the Borg for something awful, but you know, also the guilt that she's feeling because she denied Picard having a relationship with him for most of his life. And, you know, so she's feeling so many different things and, and, you know, mm-hmm. so it was nice to have a few, like to have that moment of levity, I guess, for lack of a better word coming from and, her. And- it's important to acknowledge also that she and Deanna had like real stuff to do in this episode, which yes. like in a TNG episode or a movie, they would have been kind of sidelined and instead they were given kind of very important yes. functions yes. in the plot. Yes. Agreed. And I, um, so this jumps a little I bit. Did, but but well, no. before we go there, it was a little weird when Jordy and Data went off and did the aerobics scene though. <laughs> In the leotard. I was waiting for, for that. I, I wasn't sure that that was something that was necessary, you know, like, but. You just wait. It's going to be on the Blu-ray. You know? yeah. <laughs> no, but um, I, another, another, uh, like, I mean, obviously the emotions were running really high on this episode, but, um, you know, when they come to the realization, this doesn't happen right away. You know, they figure out where the where the beacon is and Data is like, let me fly. I feel like they forget that Data is actually a machine 
and could do the calculations necessary to be able to fly through the cube into the heart of the cube. But to they, they, the they have like a couple of lines of dialogue. Like even a computer couldn't do it or whatever yeah. is what they said. And Well, he says even a computer or my daughter. And I was like, I'm your daughter's great, Jordy. But that might be a little bit of parental pride speaking yeah. that you think your daughter <laughs> could do a better job than a computer. <laughs> They get holographic Dom Paris to come and yeah. fly the Enterprise D. Uh, yeah, uh, it was... Okay. I think it was good drama. Uh -huh. It was one of those things that, like, push... I mean, I guess, where does what's the role of credulity in sci-fi, right? Right. But it was kind of like, with how much, like, they... Ha how much they hammed it up that it was going to be really hard and difficult. Uh -huh. By the end, Data was just like flying swishing the ship through like oh, yeah. different parts of the cube yeah. doing whatever like they probably did because like a couple he's of a spins <laughs> yeah like it was like you know they made it out to be this like incredibly difficult thing and then like data that, that like the drop of a hat can be like actually right. we're not leaving anymore we're going back in and like it was right, just right. ridiculous i think i wonder if some of the the conflict i guess for lack of a better word there is because Data was so different than they remembered him, right? Because he's not just Data. So I think that probably was a was part of why they're like, no, that's this, you know, you can't do that. Like, even you can't do this kind of thing. Um, yeah. Whereas if they hadn't had, you know, if it had just been Data from TNG the way he was, maybe they would have not been worried about that. I don't know. It's like, so, maybe Laura's going to pop out at the last minute and we're all going to die. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I am really glad, like, in terms of things that did not happen, I am really glad that that did not happen. Yeah, oh, my gosh, that would have been to, Yeah, we did not need to deal with any of that, like, jump scare stuff on the yeah. bridge. Like, we uh, we just we dispensed with all of that already. Right, right, for sure. Um, oh, but the thing I wanted to mention, so, you know, we, we get, we get the scene where they fly into uh -huh. the center and they're going to destroy the beacon. Um, and then Jordy has the realization that there's no way that they can destroy that beacon without destroying everyone who's on the cube. And there just isn't necessarily a guarantee that there's the time to uh -huh. get everyone back. I, I just thought that scene was really beautifully done and props to LeVar Burton. Cause he didn't, it's not like his line. He didn't have like a lot of words to express that emotion, but you know, like he knows what he's asking of Beverly. Um, you know, his kids are affected by this as well. Um, yeah. and anyway, I just thought that was, there were two moments. Um, the first one was when he just turns to Beverly to get her permission, like, you know, and the way that, um, Deanna is like, um, you know, it's if we if we don't, you know, we destroy the cube and kill everyone down there. But if we wait, then it's everyone else in the galaxy. Yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, so they're all saying like, you know, Beverly, you know what the decision is. I mean, we're going to give you the minute to make it. Yeah. But um, anyway, I just thought that was really, really uh, LeVar's acting was phenomenal in that. It's very powerfully done. Mm -hmm. um, that That whole sequence, I thought, was very tight. Um, mm -hmm. the, all of the dialogue that are, like you were saying, them giving Troy a very relevant piece to play mm -hmm. in that conversation as well. And yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, LeVar Burton just blew me away this whole season, oh, by yeah. the way. He is oh, so yeah. freaking good. Like, yeah, if they do Legacy, they have to bring him back. Like, he's, oh, yeah. He's too good of an actor. Yeah, yeah. Um, Super good. Well, and, and, and not such a good actor who wasn't fully utilized in the original series, you know, like everyone knows that Patrick Stewart's a phenomenal actor, right? Yeah. And that got shown over and over and over again in Next Generation, as it should have been, right? So no, that's you know, no shade being thrown, but it has been so exciting to see 
all of the other actors from uh from next gen get their chance um yeah. to really shine too so totally totally yeah. so they take the ship in to destroy the beacon mm-hmm. and while this is happening picard finds jack who is now a drone uh what was your reaction to drone jack um well i mean obviously he's very reminiscent of how they styled picard um just updated but you know i mean even the face plate thing in the same location in the little you know little laser <laughs> laser mm-hmm, light mm-hmm. thing in the same position um and just having him how he's kind of muttering that was kind of different than like they didn't have picard wasn't that way like there it just seemed more he seemed more um not computer like but kind of it kind of reminded me of but he's a computer giving instructions yes, right like he's, yeah. he's like that's that's the the sense you're getting what is the um is it, am I thinking of, um, it's a Tom Cruise movie, Minority Report, mm-hmm. where they have the, like, where the, the aren't they in, like, kind of water or something, and they're they're speaking through different things are getting ready to happen? That's what it reminded me of, the way he was, you know, talking through instructions or kind of narrating what, what was going to be happening. That It just reminded me of that. Yeah. I don't remember that, but I, that movie had a lot of great core sci-fi kind of elements that have now mm-hmm. appeared in a lot of other sci-fi since yeah. then. So it doesn't surprise me that that was the inspiration. Yeah. Um, Cause I think I've seen it. I feel like that was also maybe something I remembered seeing in Battlestar Galactica too. I can't, anyway, there were just, I've seen it in a few different things. They definitely, uh, the Borg queen was something I realized is that it turns out that when all the Borg died, they also lost their ability, the the, the greenish white face paint that they give all the drones. Because Jack <laughs> had all of his hair. He looked gorgeous, you know, just still with his human skin. Well, Borg are like, you've moisturized so much. We can't, you know, we can't screw with this. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you, well it's, I mean, it's kind of like they don't want to cover up. Uh, they didn't fully cover up Picard. Picard didn't have hair anyway, right? So they didn't have to have him lose his hair. <laughs> there but, was... you know, every other every other Borg we've seen has an eyepiece thing over them. And that's not something Picard didn't though. Um the neural so... inhibitor that so you remember the episode of Voyager where three of the crew allow themselves to get assimilated? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There they do get their head shared, if I recall correctly. I yes, I think so. I think and, so. And that's that's I think where that's that... commitment. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, you, you're 100% correct, though. I, I, I'd chafed against the, 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 the Borg outfit that Jack was in. It looked a little weird to me, but you're 100% correct that it's inspired by Locuta. So now yeah. it makes a lot of sense. And yeah, it looked a little dated to me, which clearly it's inspired by date, yeah. like something that's from a while yeah, back. Yeah, I think they so tried to sense. update it a little bit. But yeah, I mean, they really were trying to make it look very, very similar to um, Picard as Locutus. Yeah, it was like kind of the old Borg feel and not like the first mm-hmm. contact Borg. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and then the queen, like as Dietrich says, she was very creepy. Like he, you know, he thought that she looked very, very creepy watching that part. But because um, she's consuming her drones, like, mm-hmm. like that's how she's surviving is by consuming them. And it's so interesting. Like, well, this kind of jumps out a little bit, but that whole um, where Jack, seems to be completely once he is in the collective collective whatever connected i mean mm-hmm. he is the collective i guess at this point but um 
he totally isn't able to recognize what she's doing. All he is experiencing is the, is the peace and the perfection and the comfort of it rather than the, um, uh, consumption, like, like the fact that she's actually consuming him. He's not, um, privy to that when he's connected. It's interesting to me also. So first of all, one one thing about the Borg queen, um, now it's clear to us why we didn't get to see her face last time. Mm -hmm. They didn't want to give away some of the stuff around the Borg dying. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is that, so this was now, now we know it was Alice Krish playing Mm -hmm. the Borg queen, um, which is interesting to me because it, they were filming this at the same time as season two. So they could have had Annie Wershing come in and play her. And I, I wonder if that was because like they, they had decided very deliberately at the time to make it so that Annie Wershing Borg Queen is from a different universe than this one. Well, so I, I don't know if you watched the ready room. Mm -hmm. No, I didn't. Um, They were talking about like, so he was saying, we have to have Alice Krieger do it. Like, she's just, I mean, she her voice. But I don't know that it was her. I it think wasn't. They had a body it was double. Jane Edvina yeah. Seymour who played yeah. the actual queen. So it was, it, Alice Krieger only did the voice. Yeah, so so she, and I think maybe that could be part of it, is they decided they wanted Alice Krieger for the voice and not, and they were just going to have a body double or, you know, and have it. And also the other thing was, so the Borg queen, I was listening to another podcast. We were talking about this. Technically the Borg queen isn't like the same person every time it's, you know, if the Borg queen dies and another drone becomes the queen, just like what happens in a, you know, in a bee colony, it's not like, you know, if the, it's not another clone of that being yeah. of that bee. So, um, but it could, it could still make sense that the voice would be, uh, carry through even though the look might be different i don't know yeah and we i mean we've had the board queen played by what was it susanna johnson yeah susanna thompson yeah. susanna thompson in voyager mm-hmm. uh-huh. but the board queen that died in the final episode in endgame was or was in yeah. fact yep exactly yeah. so so you 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 this it sounds like this was the same board queen in endgame who like who got infected and then was like out for revenge, yeah. And, like basically made it over to try and annihilate Earth because of what sure. Admiral Jane waited. But she also she makes it sound like it's almost personal against Picard. Like Picard destroyed her too. Like there. So anyway, there. It's just it's the. I think the Borg Queen is not bound by time and space, but also, um, I think maybe they just wanted someone to die more than Data. So Data mm-hmm. had died twice, and now this this particular Borg queen has died three times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the the Borg assimilated a Soong along the way, and now they have all these golems. Right? There you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of all the dialogue between Jack, the Borg queen, Picard, the sequence with Picard assimilating himself and talking to Jack? So. Um, I cried every time I saw that scene, I have to say. And like, I was even talking about the scene with my husband and started crying. I was like, what is happening to me? I don't know what's happening to me, but um, I just thought there was something. So once now this would be once Picard and Jack were in the inside the collective together or whatever, when their consciousness, you know, the whole green area, whatever. So I'm talking specifically about that part, but um, I feel like, so in some ways this season could have existed without the previous two seasons. Yeah. Um, 
But I feel like there were a couple of lines in this sequence that tried to honor what was trying to be done in the first two seasons of Picard. Um, so you, and, and also just acknowledge the fact that Picard really isn't great at relationships, friendships or otherwise, that's just not been a strength of his. Um, and in the, and I feel like, you know, there, there was obviously an episode in TNG family where you get the feel, you know, you see the, um, the, um, tension between he and his brother, um, in season two of Picard, we see, uh, the problems between Picard and his father. Um, and you can, so it kind of lays out this whole, we get a big backstory for why Picard is probably so terrible at relationships. Um, and, and so I feel like, like he, he kind of named that when he was saying, you know, Jack, you, cause Jack was basically, you know, I feel like I'm held. I feel I'm, you know, this is, you know, there's perfection in here. There's safety, there's comfort in here. It's something I've never found. And, you know, Picard's like, you know, I, I felt that too. I, I, I felt alone. I joined Starfleet because I wanted a family and I found a family, but that, that wasn't enough. Like there still was something missing. Mm -hmm. Um, and then uh, the thing that I found really like that, I think that's the part that made me emotional is the part, um, you know, he was just wondering, you know, is something wrong with me? So I'm waiting. And he says, and I waited in that vineyard waiting to die, which is what was happening in the first season of Picard. He was just waiting to die. Like he wasn't, he didn't have any other reason to live. The things that he had done in his life that made a mm-hmm. difference were over. He was just biding his time until his time on earth was done. Um, and the saddest thing about that is he it, he actually did have a reason to live, but Beverly never told him. So I just thought no, that I... kind of made that scene even more poignant, even though, I mean, obviously he he tried to let release Beverly from that guilt right before he went over to the board cube or right before he went in to go get Jack. Like, you did everything right. You were trying to protect him and, you know, you didn't do anything wrong. Um, mm-hmm. But the reality is, he did spend the years at the end towards the end of his life feeling as though there really wasn't a purpose for him anymore when there was. Um, and so I just found that really, you know, poignant, um, you know, and then he <laughs> says, you know, uh, but now Jack, I realize that you are the part of me I never knew was mm-hmm. missing. Um, and you see Jack break in a, you know, he's kind of like, wait, what? Like, I, I do matter to you that much. Like, so that kind of means something to him, but it's still not quite enough. It's not until, um, it's not until he says, I'll stay with you. You know, if, if, yeah. if you're not going to leave, then I, and then I'm not going to leave either. And I'm just going to stay here. And that part was just like, Oh gosh. Anyway, I thought it was so beautiful. And the music, the music was so incredible in this episode, but especially in this scene, like just the way that, and, and with, cause they kind of, they left and went back to the enterprise, I think for a little bit mm-hmm. and then came back because there was a there was a gap between when Picard tells Jack that you know you're the part of me that I didn't know was missing and then they go back to the enterprise for a little while and then he comes back and says you know if you won't leave I'll I'll stay with you you know you've changed my life forever and I just thought that was beautiful because there is so much that Picard has experienced that has changed his life but this changed his life in a different way um mm-hmm. anyway it was just beautiful it made me cry so no, totally. I think that's well said. And it it's it's difficult when they have so much emotional stuff going on with the with the next generation crew to have this new 
thing also mm -hmm. introduced that's also very emotional and and so I, th I think they did a good job of pulling it off you're right so um it's interesting the one thing that we we haven't talked about quite as much is the boar queen's rage and anger oh, yeah. uh, before it so it kind of leads we go from those negative emotions into kind of a more caring place mm -hmm. um with the the speech that picard and, and jack have and then that leads into Riker basically saying a few words to Troy, which you're like, oh, no, everyone's going to die. That sucks. Yeah. And then that actually is the thing that gets them saved because she can sense the. Yes. Imzadi, the connection. Well, oh, God, that made me cry, too. I love you, Imzadi. We'll be waiting. Me and our boy. I was like, oh, God. Oh, yeah. just rip my heart out and <laughs> so that also made me really emotional but it was so awesome so then deanna jumps up and takes the helm and flies the enterprise to where they're located so that they can rescue them and i was like see y'all making jokes about troy crashing the ship because she can't fly whatever she can fly like a boss so <laughs> yeah. i thought that was great and another yeah. and a nice moment where they gave uh deanna something really important and cool to do for sure, for sure. And it is, I, I love that sequence of the, the Enterprise just like showing up mm -hmm. up there and then them disappearing and the Borg Queen basically doing Darth Vader's no. Yes, yes. Uh, and so it was kind of a heroic rescue. And then we yeah. go we go back to Earth where the, the Titan crew has broken onto the bridge and they're almost, no, oh, no, we've all lost. But then they all come back to being human. And then Sydney yes. is just like, traumatized like right. almost like too traumatized we were like is she ever going to recover from this like <laughs> but then the one person who knows exactly how it feels seven of nine is right mm -hmm. there and we and mm -hmm. it basically harkens back to that moment when sydney had shown up to her quarters yes. in like one of the early episodes yes yeah it was great well and yeah and and you feel that there is friendship there not just um command structure you know so i like yeah. that so from there, it's it's a pretty quick one year later uh, yeah. jump, which fine. Uh, Jack is already an ensign now. Um, I do like how they opened it though with Riker saying Captain's Log, star date, shall we say one? I thought that was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Beverly is now head of Starfleet Medical, mm -hmm. and they took care of the issue. <laughs> They, they got rid of the Borg inside of people and the rest of the changelings. I don't want to think about what they did with the changelings. Um, so maybe that's yeah. what Section 31 so let's, about. Let's Just talk kidding. about... Yeah, please no. <laughs> oh, uh, let, let's talk about this for a minute. Okay. Because I think it's important to acknowledge that a few episodes ago, there were some uh, essentially war crimes shown on TV. And uh -huh. we kind of have forgotten that they happened. Yeah. <laughs> there was yeah. no, like, reckoning about Section 31. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's it's just kind of very... Um, like, like, the changeling part was almost forgotten at this point. Like, we mm -hmm. had a little, little reference to it. But there's kind of this firm, like, boundary between changelings of the enemy. Okay, now it's the war. Let's, yeah. let's forget about them. And I think some of this is because of the amount of episodes they had this season. And we just couldn't right. fit everything in. So I right. get it. But uh, yeah, like to your point, I hope, I hope that off screen they dealt with this whole Section Thirty One thing. Yeah. Well, and I hope that when they did discover changelings among crew as they were deborgifying everyone, that that they learned how to deal humanely and not 
anyway, <laughs> I just, I just had that little moment, that little, that was the one thing I bumped up against when they showed a changeling in that scene. I was like, Oh God. I don't, yeah. I mean, Federation and Starfleet, they have shown that they don't know how to, how to, um, deal with changelings and it just makes me nervous well and then we go into the shuttle where this it is then revealed that the titan has been rechristened which okay so so the enterprise f is uh -huh. destroyed in the in the battle i guess uh -huh. so they can't use it anymore so they need uh -huh. a new enterprise what do you think about the new enterprise well i mean isn't it based on one of the enterprises Design one of the old enterprises design the Titan. It's a, they call it the Neo Constitution. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, so it's kind of trying to pull multiple generations together um, with the Enterprise G, and it's pretty awesome to have Seven of Nine be the captain of the Enterprise. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. we we really should have seen this coming when we saw that the Titan was a Neo Constitution class ship and right, not whatever right. it was in the books. Right. Like it was right. like, okay, now this makes sense. Okay, this uh -huh. is why they had it. Um, but it's also kind of a downgrade for the Enterprise, right? Because the Enterprise, each class has gotten bigger and badder from the previous one. And now it's like gotten pulled back to a pretty small... Because you get the feeling that the Titan is not a very big ship. No, um, it's not. It's 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 definitely like more on the scale of the original Enterprise, the Constitution mm -hmm. class, rather than the kind of Galaxy class or right, even the Sovereign right. class, mm -hmm. Enterprise E. Uh, it's, it, it is a much smaller ship. What was the class of the F? I can't remember. I don't remember now. Yeah, okay. Um, I know it's. I know that's the way it is in Star Trek Online. Um, that the Enterprise F. That's what uh, Odyssey class. I think it is. Uh, let me tell you what Memory Alpha says. Because yep, it's an Odyssey class ship. And it's crazy the things that are like in the back of our brains that we can just pull uh -huh. out about Star Trek. <laughs> totally, totally. Well, and and so they. The the other piece here that we should we should really quick mention is that they turn off the Enterprise D, which is kind of it was kind of a nice little send off. It wasn't. Yeah. I, I I thought it was kind of a, a scene which could have been maybe left out of this show, but it was officially turning off the lights on. Exactly. Well, yeah. and that's kind of what they said on Ready Room. Uh, Terry Metalis was talking about like that's like the old school turning off the light the the lights on the set the way they would end television shows back in the day so that was kind of why they did that and i super appreciated uh Riker saying i miss that voice like we all do they have enough stuff of majel they could have done her voice still for the computer but oh well it's okay to give other actors jobs so. yeah right that's what i was gonna say i think <laughs> it, it works yeah, uh it does. both ways but at the same time i do think that they have this powerful asset whenever they do decide to use it because um, i think she recorded a bunch of stuff before she died um, yeah, she left enough voice that... samples, yeah, to, to make it possible. So it's, yeah. po it's likely that at some point they'll do something with it, but we're not sure, like... Yeah. Because the ones here were basically, I think, the, they used ones from TNG, samples yeah. from TNG. Yeah, yeah, they did. So they walk out of the ship, uh, and then that's when we, we find out about the Titan being mm -hmm. the Enterprise now. And then on the bridge, we have Seven, Raffi, and Jack Crusher. Uh-huh. That was a little extra for me. Like, oh, look, everybody, like, even though Jack Rusher knows nothing, he gets a chair on the bridge and, oh, look, Raffi's here too. And it's just <laughs> like, come on, you guys. Like, it's okay to, to like, have, like, I don't know, Raffi off on some other ship or something. Like, we don't, it was a very, like, 
a very special episode type ending, but fine, it whatever. Was. The fans probably wanted it. I... Well, and so I have to say, what do you think that means, special counselor to the captain? Uh, no idea. Or special counsel to the captain. I just, I wasn't quite sure, like, like what that means. And I, I do, so I did think, the thing I liked about it was I actually liked the rapport between Jack and Seven on the episode where they were at the um, museum. And they were talking about the different ships, just the mm-hmm. way they were, they're back and forth. I, I liked it. I just thought they had good chemistry. Um, and now, I mean, obviously there's also a big tie between those two because of the Borg. Um, so mm-hmm. there's just a level of understanding. And so I, I almost wondered if that, cause you know, I mean, that's, he's kind of sitting in the position that Troy would have been yeah. in. For And that's something that they, I feel like they talked a lot, whether they said it actually in words, I got the feeling one of the themes of the series of this, epi- of this season was that Jack is a really empathetic um, person. So they, I, I feel like maybe that was touching on that as well. Like, I mean, cause he talked about like, I'm like why he was different from the Borg. He's like, but I feel like I, like this, like things matter to me. And anyway, I feel like he's a very empathetic individual which could kind of harken to Troy a little. Yeah, I think that that's a good explanation for it, I think. Um, and I mean, there's no reason that they can't change all of this if they ever bring back this for Star Trek Legacy, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, we've seen many times that things that they show as kind of a nice right. moment on, on a previous season, like in Strange New Worlds, they changed a bunch of stuff from right. the way it was shown on Discovery. Right, right. So we'll see. Uh, we did not talk about actually something I forgot to talk about a second ago is after everyone beams back onto the Enterprise D and they all like re- meet on the bridge, you have Worf snoring in the. Yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, there's another scene where they like acknowledge that you know the there's age. some some t- yeah the age the time has passed. Uh, yeah, Worf can't have a battle like that and not fall asleep afterwards anymore. Seriously, uh, and then. So at the very so number one, uh, let's let's talk about the after credits scene first because I think we need to we okay. need to end on the poker much like the show yeah. did. Yeah. So I will confess to having my mind freaking blown when Q showed up. <laughs> yeah. He looked what amazing, didn't he? Yeah. That was like the best John Delancey's ever looked. It was such a cool costume. <laughs> I mean, yes. And I will also confess that I'm like, but they sent off Q so well in season. I thought it was good. I don't yeah. know. Terry Metallus, I guess, disagreed. But uh, I thought it was, it was, I don't know. Now we're just, it, it was good. It was good. I, should, I shouldn't quibble. It was well, good. Well, they, I mean, they took care of it really easily by saying, oh, you shouldn't think so linearly. Like, and that's the beauty of Q is, I mean, Q maybe did die. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, there's no, but that's not, the Q don't exist in the way that we understand existence. You know, so, like, I mean, that was an easy way to explain that without it being too, like, oh, that's stupid. No, it totally makes sense with within what they've established about Q, so. hmm hmm Yeah, and, yeah, it's it's just that I, I think what I'm getting frustrated at is how back and forth Picard has been. Yeah. Just in general. Like, right. if we just... At this point, like, even though I maybe enjoyed season two a little bit more than most people, if we just eject season one and two from the collective memory and just call it Star Trek Legends or something, uh-huh. <laughs> it's probably the best way to deal with it. Um, 
So maybe next week when we have everybody back, we should do like a little retrospective on Star Trek Picard now that the show is over and, yeah. like, and process our feelings for these three seasons, which... Now, was Terry Metalis part of season two, though? Wasn't he doing showrunner? He wasn't part of season two at all. I. Why did I, I feel like he was for the first half of this season and then jumped over to work on season three, which is why he couldn't Yeah, I continue. think you're... I think that's what that's what Adam or Bill had shared. I think okay. you're right. Um, is that he he started out um, helping out on season two and then switched mm-hmm. over because mm-hmm. they were filming them concurrently. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's in this episode. I think it's 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 going to be interesting to see what Q does with Jack Crusher in the future, but then. Of course, the the moment that we all wanted was how are they gonna say goodbye to the next generation crew? Like, what is their mm-hmm. final gonna be their final moment in in their own show? I'm sure we'll continue getting Riker and Lower Decks or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. like there'll be like mm-hmm. little cameos here and there. But how how are we gonna say goodbye? And of course, it has to be in ten forward playing perfect. poker. It was perfect, and that last shot being exactly a mirror of the um of the last shot of all good things was mm-hmm. awesome. I, I soup. I mean, I caught it immediately. Granted, I, you know, we watched all good things right before we started this season of Picard. Mm, yeah. But, um, so it was pretty, you know, firmly in my mind from having just watched a couple months ago, but, um, but yeah, I just thought that was beautiful. And, uh, and th- so they said that what, that they actually have like 45 minutes of footage of the seven of them sitting around a poker table playing and they're going to include parts of it i think maybe in the blu-ray or something but they had their few lines that they had to get through but then basically he just said you know just just have a good time ad lib and and have a good time with one another enjoy one another's company and so like jonathan frake said yeah they were just taking the piss out of each other (laughs) just having a good time and um and so it was it was nice to see that and they're just and it showed that i mean these these are, yes, they're actors playing a part, but they're also, they're good friends. I mean, like the TNG cast, I feel like is bonded more than most cast of television shows are as far as the fact that, like just the way they do things together throughout their lives. Like they've been a part of each other's lives over the years, regardless of whether or not they've had Star Trek things that they've been doing. Yeah, I I think it's, there's also one other piece of significance there, which is that Picard wins the game, whereas in All Good Things, he's like, finally comes to join them for the first time. Right. And so he's new and he's hesitant here. He's the one also like bringing, like initiating the game. Uh So there's there's an acknowledgement of his growth as a person too in that. Yes. All right. Yeah, Yeah. go on. No, no, I was going to say that was, I I think that was the theme of, um, season three of Picard was was the growth of the character like there was just tremendous growth in his character throughout this season and they just kind of capped it really nicely there with the poker game yeah the only other thing I was going to say and this is this genuinely bummed me out is that we didn't have any acknowledgement of Laris and Oral Brady in this I know. episode now doesn't mean that he didn't go back and be with her he could have. I mean, the it's entirety not like of season had... three happens in like four days, right? So like, yeah. the, he could he could go back and maybe he's together and she was waiting at the like she was bringing and the car around. He wasn't that late after all. <laughs> poco, poco, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was disappointing. I'll just say like I think she was like 
I think Orla Brady is one of the best things that came out of Picard for me. Like, mm-hmm. her portrayal of Lara. Like, like, this kind of, like, ex-Dalshiar operative who's also a kindly Irish lady, like, was really freaking cool. And I think she's a great mirror for Picard. And, mm-hmm. like, I really liked the the idea of the two of them, like, ending up together. So I, I hope that happened. Uh, yeah. But it just... it And it was probably... So, so they also... If you read on Memory Alpha, there was supposed to be more scenes with like Janeway and Harry Kim and all of this stuff in this episode, but they could they had to abandon them because of budgetary concerns. So I wonder if it's also just like a budget thing with Orla Brady. Like they just couldn't afford to keep her and right. do everything else. So right. maybe that's one of the things that happened. Uh what so as not to end on a sour note, we should also mm-hmm. acknowledge Tuvok, Tim Russ playing Tuvok in this episode, which was really cool. And we got one final Captain Shaw moment. Yes. Where apparently he was just actually being a giant dick calling her Commander Hanson yes! throughout season three. Because he already called her Commander Captain Seven or Commander Seven. Yes. In this thing he filmed before. I know. Well, and that see, and in some ways though, I think it was good that they had that because um I, as a human being watching a piece of entertainment, fully recognize that it is more dramatic to have him finally call her seven of nine as his last act, right? You know, like finally realizing that, you know, acknowledging the true person who she is, blah, blah, blah. I understand that dramatically. Um, But it was really irritating that she had already stood up to him two specific times saying it's seven of nine, you know, like correcting him. And he kept calling her Hanson after that. And it's like, good God, what is wrong with you? Uh It's like, oh, why do you finally, you know, finally you get it at your deathbed? Well, now it seems like, no, he was just being a giant dick. I don't usually (laughs) call people a dick, but you know, (laughs) he was being a giant prick. That's usually what I say. I I just, I'm spending too much time with you, Notch. And it just came out. (laughs) There you go. See, I was good this episode. I just want to point out, I have grown (laughs) Uh, so, but, but he was just being such a big prick, and but then realized I can't, I can't leave this earth having my last act be being a giant, a giant prick. You know, like I need to, like okay, well I'm not gonna have any other opportunity to actually let her know that I know she's seven of nine, so I have to say it now. And that you know, so it kind of, I think it kind of expanded um, some of the story a little bit. Yeah. That. Yeah. And it was just nice to see nice to see Todd Stashwick in the last episode. So it was kind of sad to have, you know, have him in every episode this season and then not have him in this episode. So I'm glad he was in it. Still mad that he's dead. Mm-hmm. Well, not him. Not not Todd Stashwick, the captain. Captain Shaw. Terry, Terry Metallis. So two things. Terry Metallis says he has a way to have him, if there is a Star Trek legacy series that comes out of it, he has a way that Todd Stashwick can be in it. I don't know what that is, but you know he has some Star Trekky kind of way to. Turns out, out he was like captured Black by Mountain. Romulans and <laughs> has a, has a daughter or something. Right, like. right, right. Uh, anyway, <laughs> and then there also Terry Metalis tweeted a picture of. I wish I could remember who the third person was, but him, Todd Stashwick, and some other person I think from Picard uh, were all watching the finale together on the couch at someone's house. I'm like, that's kind of nice. cool. <laughs> that is really cool. All right, well. Let's go into strange new ratings and I'll start because yeah. I think I know what yours is going to be. <laughs> I'm going to give this a nine and a half out of 10. And hey, that's I'll gonna... take it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. This is, it's very quibbly, but like, there's just a few things, you know, and maybe I should have also given Mugato Gumato a 9.5 and not a 10 out of 10. 
There was a Mugato call out in this episode. Yes, there was. Yes, there was. <laughs> Uh, so maybe maybe I'm being a little excessively harsher, but it was an excellent episode. I really loved it. It was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had a couple of small quibbles here and there, right. so I'm being right. probably overly harsh and will regret this rating later. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to go 5 out of 5. I would even say 10 out of 10. I'll just change my go. rating scale for this episode. But, um, I mean, any episode that can make me cry every single time I see a scene or when I talk about a scene, like, I don't know if you could tell, I was getting emotional when I was talking about it on the podcast. Like, so that's good television. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a beautiful way to say goodbye to beloved characters. Um, and I and I liked the... Um, I mean, it's, it really says something about, you know, we were quibbling about um, the fact that they cast a 35 year old actor to play a 22 year old man or early twenties man. And it was like, uh, yeah, clearly you're not in your early twenties, but um, a lot of credit goes to Ed Spilliers for it. At least for me, some people may not have liked Jack. I really actually ended up loving the character of Jack. And I thought the way um, I thought the way he and Patrick Stewart played off of one another was actually really moving. Um, mm-hmm. And just, there were just a lot of layers. And I think, yeah, I was super impressed with him. Um, so that's also great when you have a show that can, that can introduce a character at the beginning of the season and you care so much about them by the end. Yeah. I, um, I think, I think for me, Jack Crusher was good. I think like I, I connected with the character and by, especially by the end, like seeing what he's going to kind of contribute as this kind of like swashbuckling funny guy on the bridge. Mm -hmm. It might be a good kind of role to balance Mm -hmm. out who seven of nine is as Mm -hmm. a character a little bit, Mm -hmm. she's a little bit more serious, but Mm -hmm. also has a little bit of a fun side. So I could see some interesting dynamics if they're cast in a show together. Yeah. So all right. Well, thanks, Emily, for making the time and prioritizing your, your activities so you could make it talk about this episode with me. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Notch. <laughs> yeah, Adam, Adam, Bill, and Rudy, whatever it is y'all are doing, wherever it is you are, I hope you're having a great time. We forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're, uh, I hope you, dear listener, have had a great time watching Picard and listening to our recaps of it. We'll be back next week to talk about how we felt about the entire series. And uh, thank you, just to go up, for recording our theme music. We always appreciate hearing you strumming away at the guitar on the Klingon theme. And special thanks this week to uh, Captain Tuvok for making sure to give a little, give us a little smile to make sure that we knew that you weren't like all serious and then give us a little bit of a little bit of a smile ourselves. All right, everybody. See you next week. Goodbye. Bye.